Hello again, friends. Misty here. Today, we have a great interview with Joshua Gunn, president and CEO of the Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I call Peoria, Illinois home. There's a lot of greatness to the place I call home and a lot of challenges that I personally want to help solve. That's why I invited Joshua on season four. As a local leader to our region, he has really great perspective on marketing and branding of places. As a hip-hop artist turned economic development guru, Joshua's story will tell you a lot about who he is. You'll hear me call him competent, a leader, a storyteller, and all of those are true. He has a way of presenting his vision that should really help him get things done. But he acknowledges in this discussion, the best way to get things done is by having a group of people serve as advocates. And we all know that's a marketing mantra to live by. That said, in Peoria, we have some mindsets that we need to change to make all the people that live and work here really believe in our great city. Listen in as Joshua talks about why he thinks that when communities thrive, businesses thrive. Our company, Symantle, believes in this through and through. So we've asked Joshua to consult with us on ways we can do even better in our efforts to create a diverse and inclusive workforce, connecting with opportunities right here in our region. He's agreed and has so much to offer us in that role in addition to his role for the city. For now, listen in to Joshua and I'll see you on the other side. Let's start at the beginning. I was fascinated to hear your story when we had coffee the other day. So tell our listeners a little bit about your upbringing and kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah. First, thanks for having me. So I spent most of my life in the music industry. I started making music at seven years old. I'm a hip hop artist. I signed my first record deal at 13. So all of my life has been in front of a microphone for the most part. I met the DJ from Public Enemy, whose name is Terminator X. He ended up, I'm from Durham, North Carolina, by the way, for those listening that don't know. Terminator X moved to my hometown to start an ostrich farm. (laughs) His father worked at the post office, which is where my dad worked. And he said, yeah, my son's in music. And he turned out his son was Terminator X of Public Enemy, you know, one of the biggest hip hop groups of all time. And sent a tape to him. He loved it, thought it was good enough to manage me and got me my first record deal before I started high school. And you just took off. You traveled the world. And yeah. And um, met amazing people. Yeah. So ups and downs in the music industry. Right. That first record company that I was signed to went out of business. Right. Yeah. Napster came in for the millennials on the line. We remember Napster. Sure. Right. Misty, I'm sure you do I as do. well. Napster was great for consumers, but killed the music industry. Okay. Right. Until they figured out how to do the streaming thing. That's really saved the music industry. But in the 2000s, record labels were closing. I think something like 60% of those record labels went out of business. One of the one I was signed to did as well. So I stayed in high school, fortunately graduated, went to college at North Carolina A&T, met my friend Rashad, who was from New York City and has some connections in the industry, loved my music, said, man, let's just start our own thing. So started my own entertainment company at 19, produced several albums, two world tours. So 16 international countries all over the United States, did TV, film, scored some movies, starred in a movie. Amazing ride. Yeah. Amazing ride. Well, you, and you said, so you were approaching, I think you said 30 when you yeah. started to slow down a little. <laughs> well, 30 in hip hop is like 90 <laughs> in uh, any other art form. So that and just being sort of burnt out with the yeah. grind of it all on the road and living out of suitcases and bouncing from LA to New York, everywhere in between. Also, my father was chronically ill and wanted to move back to be closer to family, Uh, moved back to North Carolina in 2012, Durham, my hometown. 
I don't know how much you want me to tell about my economic development I passion. Do. I but think that's important to where you are today. Yeah, so. just really developed a passion for economic development accidentally. So my hometown of Durham was about 150,000 people when I was a kid. It was a place that was declining in population, distressed economically. Tobacco was the big industry in town that left in the 80s and the 90s was my childhood was probably the worst time economically for Durham. And coming back to see a city that was now growing and cranes and restaurants and hotels and skyscrapers in our downtown, which previously wasn't a place that you considered living, bought a condo there, lived in, you know, in the heart of the city and just fell in love with everything that was happening. But as I looked beneath the surface, I started to identify inequities in the way that the economy was growing, particularly along racial lines and started off as a community organizer, started some festivals centered around uh, creating safe spaces for black people in downtown. Those festivals, you know, I'm a business and entrepreneur mind first. So those festivals quickly spun off into some more economic focused initiatives, started a co-working space called Provident 1898. That was centered around what we called underrepresented entrepreneurs, but creating a entrepreneurial ecosystem to support women-led businesses, LGBTQ, Latinx, and black-owned businesses, and did so much of that that I got a call from the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce in Durham. They were looking to be more community focused in the economic development efforts. What I thought was just going to be a conversation turned into a job offer and had a daughter on the way who is now almost five and stability sounded good and um, quickly recognized that the Chamber of Commerce was the perfect vehicle to advocate for equitable economic development and uh, been doing that ever since. So I've heard this story, like you said, two or three times, and I still am fascinated by it. But well, one thing thanks. I'm I glad you didn't fall asleep. <laughs> one thing I haven't gotten to ask you about this is, I mean, you exude confidence, right? Like oh, you're thanks. a natural storyteller, great voice, like you're very much a public figure now in the roles that you play. So oh, you. talk a little bit about the transition from the music industry to sort of like falling into this passion area. And if it was it seamless or was it definitely like a shift in terms of how you had to present yourself? It was kind of seamless in a couple ways. One, if you go back and look at some of my old stuff. (laughs) So aesthetically, one of the things that I did to set myself apart is I started to perform in suits. So particularly with bow ties. Right. So I was already comfortable in the attire in terms of the presentation. So my mother is from Germany. And so English is not her first language. We had to, I think, speak very clearly in Mm -hmm. our home because She's fluent in English, but it's not her first language. And I think I've always sort of been comfortable speaking the king's English, so to speak, and transitioning between slang and traditional communication style. So it was kind of seamless. I always felt comfortable. I think what music gave me, though, is that confidence that you talk about to show up as myself. Right. But, you know, (laughs) hip hop in particular is all about giving yourself those pep talks every day. Right. Because when you hear a rapper brag about how cool they are or how good they look or how many girls like them or how much money they have. (laughs) Right. It's probably not true. Right. They got to tell themselves that story. And then it becomes true. I see. Right. And so it's like, just like that, it's daily affirmations. And so doing that for, from seven years old to now 36 years old, right. Is like, that is so cool. Uh, you know, so it, it gave me the confidence to be able to show up as myself, even though sometimes I'm still giving myself those affirmations, right? Because as I've transitioned from being an organizer to a VP to now a CEO, there are various levels that you you yeah. have to be comfortable in. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm 
talking to the governor. So I don't take any of it for granted, but I try to show up as myself. That's so cool. And I've only gotten to spend a few hours with you, but I can see the wheels spinning in your head as you're talking. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're growing opportunities in the moment, which is yeah. probably why you're so good at this job. <laughs> I want you to tell a little bit of the story of Durham, though, because I think just the experiences you had there and how you're like bringing that to Peoria is so important. Yeah. And in particular, you talk about sort of the gentrification of the city over time yeah. and just balancing economic development and growth with some of the real racial equity issues that we have. Talk about what you learned in your time there and how you're bringing that here. Yeah. So Durham is an interesting city in that it's in the South. It's in a part of the country that has more of an agrarian economy, but tobacco was its first industry Mm -hmm. and it was Durham never existed any other way. Mm -hmm. And for a hundred years, it was successful, economically prosperous, It was the type of town where you could get graduate from high school, actually, or not even graduate from high school and make a living wage and buy a home. Tobacco left town in the the late 80s and just demolished the economy. I mean, the bottom fell out. Fortunately, the Duke family who founded American Tobacco Company also started a Actually, they purchased the college and moved it to Durham. So Duke University is kind of the bedrock of the economy in Durham, still to this day, one of the more prestigious colleges. So Durham was fortunate to still have Duke when tobacco left. What I now know that I didn't know then is that Duke was a partner in this new economic development, right? Duke recognized sort of in the way that I hope we all can recognize in Peoria that we are all better served if Peoria prospers, right? right? And Duke recognized for it to continue to be a prestigious institution, it needed to exist in a great city. So fortunately, even though I'm a Tar Heels fan, Duke (laughs) was a good community partner and sort of helped reinvest in this innovation and technology economy. And so we were fortunate to have Duke there and they helped redevelop that economy. One of the beauties of an industrial city, and this is also relevant to Peoria, is it naturally lends itself to diversity. Right. So Durham uh, does not have a racial majority. It is 40 percent white, 40 percent African-American, 20 percent other ethnicities, a really fast growing Latinx community. But that diversity is a strength. Right. That Peoria now has. Right. If you look at the rest of downstate Illinois, there are no other places as diverse as Peoria. If you look across the Midwest, there are no cities of 120,000 people that have the same size of diversity we have. And that's from our sort of post-industrial time. Peoria is still a very industrial place. Manufacturing is a big part of our economy. But what's next? And I think what we can learn from is places like Durham, Baltimore. And there are a lot of cities that I could list that are sort of reinventing themselves in a post-industrial environment. I appreciate how you shared that even when you were recruited to Peoria, that was part of the conversation, right? You're a black man coming to a community that needs help with this issue. And I want to give credit to the People of Peoria podcast. I listened (laughs) to that and the the other podcast you mentioned that you did. And, And there was just such good points in there. And they asked you about what's your vision? And you said... I want Peoria to regain its position as the second city to the second city. That's right. And they said, what's your philosophy? And you said, businesses will be better if Peoria is better. Businesses will thrive if Peoria thrives. And so I think my question is bringing all your experiences to bear, like, do you have a roadmap? Like, how do you, how do you get there? Yeah. The roadmap requires, so I want to reemphasize that first point. And then I want to answer the question you asked me about sort of equitable growth. And then I'll come back to the roadmap. I want to reemphasize this notion that we have to, at the beginning, 
right, from the foundational level, embed equity in our work, right? And equity is just really that statement, the recognition that we are all better if we are all better, right? Your life is better if your neighbor's life is better, right? Your business does better if your competitors are doing better, right? right? We're all connected. Everyone in your ecosystem, you want to be the number one, (laughs) right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to win. There's no coincidence that places that are known for technology attract more technology companies. It's sort of counterintuitive. You right. think you, you want to be the only player on the block. No, you want to be where the resources, the talent, the ecosystem exists that's supportive of those types of businesses. So how do we build an economy that is supportive of an equitable world? Mm-hmm. I think you do that by inviting everyone to the table from the beginning, considering okay. all parts of your community from the beginning. As much as I love to brag about how exciting and growing Durham is, so Durham's about 330,000 people now, right? I think it's the first or second wealthiest county in North Carolina now per capita, but it also has the widest income inequality of anywhere in, in the state. It also, this past year, is experiencing the worst year in a long time in terms of shootings and violence and murders, right? So those problems that we had in the 90s that were largely due to just a distressed economy persist because... Durham got to a point where I think it was just so desperate to grow, but the city was willing to do whatever it took to fix this thing. And they made investments. They did a great job. They planned. They had a great strategy. And by and large, it worked. But there were very few people of color involved in that conversation. There were literally no black owned businesses involved in that conversation. So one story is. Um, North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance was headquartered in Durham for also 125 years. Wow. So North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance is almost as old as the city of Durham. At its height, it was the largest black owned company anywhere in the world. As the city grew, North Carolina Mutual wasn't able to participate in that growth and is now essentially closed. So a big loss, right, for right. a city like Durham right. who prides itself on diversity, equity, and inclusion right. as a part of their brand. Yeah. And they're not they're working on living those values. A mistake that I think people make is not embedding those values in the beginning. That yeah. Makes sense. And when you try to drop equity on at the at the end, yeah. then you have a bunch of people who say, Well, what does that mean for yeah. me? Does that mean you're gonna take something away from me? Rather than growing together. Uh, in a way that everyone gets what they need and operating from a position of abundance rather than scarcity. I'm glad you brought us back to that because I do sometimes feel like those things are at odds. You know, if the chamber's role is to help businesses grow, but we're not starting with that foundation, then maybe we're not starting in the right place. Which is interesting. You know, I get that pushback sometimes. And if you think about why chambers were started, it was started with equity in mind, just equity for a particular population. Interesting. The whole philosophy of chambers is a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Mm. But what if you don't have a boat? So what we're trying to do is create an economy where we do have that rising tide mm-hmm. and, and an ecosystem and culture that's conducive and good for business, but right. where everyone has a boat. Yeah. Right. So, oh gosh, you so know, because when that if you don't have a boat and that tide rises, then you you drown. Yeah. So this is a marketing podcast, right? Oh, um, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so we tend to talk to marketers. And yeah. honestly, I, I haven't had a lot of like local guests. Most of the people we talk to are gurus in the industry, that sort of thing. But I think there's something to marketing a city, right? Yeah. And identifying the brand. And I have coffee with a lot of people in town and talk about how even some of the higher ed institutions in town are really trying to take hold of this momentum of equity and be progressive in our thinking so that more people want to come here, right? right. So. Can you fill us in a little bit on how you're working with the other institutions in town to really define what the Peoria brand needs to be and then how all the organizations need to come together to make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. So we in the industry describe what you're talking about 
today, I think, is talent and business attraction. And business attraction is very familiar to most of your audience, probably, and most people in the world. It's going out and trying to recruit business to come bring jobs to your town. Sure. What we have found and what people across the country are finding really across the globe is that talent attraction is just as important, meaning companies like yourself want to be in a talent rich market, right? You want to be somewhere where you can easily find the talent and workforce that you need. What does that require? That requires the community to be a place where people where talent wants to locate. Sure. And so the advantage for me is that that's the way that I like to approach my work is community development. Talent is so important to the economy. We get to do this work for the community, which I'm really passionate about. So we started an initiative called GP 2030, Greater Peoria 2030, which is a 10 year strategy. Uh, I guess we got nine years left now (laughs) (laughs) to grow the population in Peoria, quite simply. And so we had some, some lofty goals, but for now we are initially saying we want to have net positive population growth, which okay. maybe that doesn't sound that exciting, but there's been a long time since Peoria has had net positive growth, right? probably decades. So how do we do that? We highlight all the great things that we already have while we focus on improving in the areas that we're, we struggle with. We know that Peoria is a great place to live if you can access the things that Peoria has. It's easy to get to. It's affordable. You can do it in an hour and you can see lions, giraffes. My kids absolutely love it. Right. What an advantage to have a zoo that you don't have to pay $30 to park at, that you don't have to wait in long lines. Like that's an advantage. That's an amenity. Right. But let's sell that. So, well, And we can all be advocates. You know, I've heard you say people refer to Peoria as a small town, oh, right? Man. Yeah. Or I've heard it say, well, Thorn in my side on that you know, one. we're halfway between Chicago and St. Louis. Like, what are we for us? Oh, man. So I lived in the Philadelphia area for a little bit and we used to talk bad. So Philly's right across the river from New Jersey. Okay. And I used to say, if the best thing you have to say about your place is that it's close to another place. That says all I need to know about your place. It's great that we're close to Chicago, but I like for them to say the best thing about St. Louis is that we're two hours from Peoria. (laughs) Well, that's a good vision to work towards. You know, we've got to have that sort of pride and boldness about ourselves. And I think culturally, Midwesterners are just naturally really hardworking people, right? A high degree of humility, high degree of like, hey, we're just going to do our part. And that's excellent. Yeah. But from a marketing lens, and you know this, that doesn't necessarily lend itself to marketing. It's like <laughs> I'm a hip hop artist, right? Yeah. In my core. And then bragging is a, brag. bragging's a part of what we did, right? <laughs> right. So I need Peoria to brag about itself uh, a little bit more. That um, rings so true. We work with so many leaders of their industries, right? Yeah. We have a great luxury in that. And that's the one of the biggest challenges is they've gr- grown their brand on being humble. Right. And yet they know that they are leading the market. So yeah. how can we apply that to our geography? <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about. As you've talked about this brand and market strategy, what are some of the biggest challenges you've run into and what are some of the coolest, biggest opportunities you see ahead of us? By far, the biggest challenge is our own perception of ourselves. Got it. Okay. There was an RFP process for this GP 2030. We had a small amount of money that we were able to raise with our organizations, which is the Chamber, the CEO Council, the GPEDC, and the CVB, mm-hmm. as well as the Pekin and Morton Chambers and the East Peoria Chambers are now part of this as well. But we wanted to hire a marketing firm to market Peoria. But the out-of-town firms, I was particularly curious to know what their perception of Peoria was. And I assumed that their perceptions would be equally to the perception that I hear internally from Peorians about Peoria. I was wrong. So the Chicago firms, I expected them to say, oh, man, I don't even think about Peoria, would never move here and headquarters of Caterpillar or whatever. 
both of the Chicago firms, which consisted of really young talent, which, you know, this is who we're targeting with this, right? 25 to 40 year sure. olds who said, I have fond memories of coming to Peoria as a child. It's a great place to, you know, see a sporting event or go to the theater or go out to eat. I love the riverfront. I love the fact that most of Illinois is flat, but Peoria has got these dramatic bluffs and these great views. I'm like, that's cool. See, yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I'm an outsider here and I think I've been able to see Peoria for what it really is, which is a fantastic city. So the biggest challenge that we're going to have is as we recruit people here, we don't want them to hear what I heard when I got in the Uber and I'm dressed in a suit and the guy's like, what are you here for? I'm interviewing for a job. Don't take it. Peoria oh, sucks. No. Right. Yeah. Or checking into a hotel and, oh man, Peoria used to be great, but yeah. you don't want to move here now. We as a community have to see yeah. ourselves all as ambassadors Absolutely. for this place. And That's no different than what we tell a company, right? Your yeah. employees are your biggest brand advocates. So That's right. <laughs> we need to do the same. make sure that I understand so that our listeners understand what the chamber does. I was listening to you. I know you said you ask your staff, what do we do? What do our members think we do? And what does the community think we do? Yeah. So I asked, what do we do? Okay. What do our members think we do? What does the community think we do? And what should we be doing? Oh, okay. So what we do broadly is we advocate for an environment that's good for business. And that could mean various things. In our case, that means we should be the leading voice for business. One of the advantages of a chamber is the thousands of businesses in Peoria who's going to be at the table representing their interests. Yeah. So we tr- we hope that our members trust us to do that. We hope that our members will arm us with the information that we need to do that so that we can go and advocate for the things that our businesses need. Right. That's simple things too, like shop local, go out and spend money with your local businesses, show up for Peoria. We also see ourselves as a catalyst for leadership in Peoria. So we have things like community leadership school. We have things like our YPGP arm, which is our Young Professionals of Greater Peoria group, right? We want to cultivate the next generation of leaders for Peoria, right? Talent attraction, talent retention, all these things that help create a vibrant economy. I also hope that we can be a strategic voice because Symantle, for instance, you got to run Symantle, right? Right. You got to worry about hitting those bottom lines, Right. right? And so does every other company in Peoria. Who's there while you're hitting your bottom line, making sure that we have a high level strategic vision that's going to benefit your company in the long term. Right. That should be the chamber. A good chamber, a healthy chamber is in the community being a leader and representing the industries that are part of that economy. A good chamber is also an ambassador outside the community for the community. Right. Right. And I think we're, we have a really great staff. I think we have a great board. We have engaged membership. We're fortunate too, Misty, the pandemic was really hard on membership organizations sure. and we stemmed the tide and did really well. My first year here and who knows what's happening next, but we feel good about where we are. Yeah. And Peoria is a really supportive community. I just deeply want to help Peoria win. Right? I can tell you're passionate about it. I want positive headlines. <laughs> right? I want yeah. I want to go to Google next year and it's nothing but, you know, fastest growing city in the Midwest, young professionals hub of the Midwest, innovation, the healthcare hub mm-hmm. of the Midwest, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. all of those things, mm-hmm. right? The most equitable city in the Midwest, yeah. right? I would love a headline that says formerly the worst place for black people in the United States. Black people are now thriving, yeah. right? to turn it around. And, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll work my butt off to do that.
I think you kind of answered this, but I want to ask it a different way. So what do you see as the responsibility of business owners in the spaces you lead, specifically somebody like me who owns a small business? I've heard you talk about encouraging Purians to go all in, but like what specifically does that look like? That looks a lot like what you're already doing. And I mean that not just because I'm in your space, but You've chosen to plant your flag in the middle of our city, right? You're in downtown, you're visible. Those are small steps to some people, Mm -hmm. but just be visible, let people know you're here. Be proud of Peoria. Sometimes we can fudge the way we say where we are, right? We're in downstate Illinois or central Illinois. We're in all those places as well, but you're in Peoria. And that's what going all in, I think, means. But also in creating a culture that is helping us solve the problems of our community. Business has a role to play. And so to the extent that you can be successful, then our community is going to be better. But thinking about that from a community lens is maybe a different way. Yeah. Well, we're just now getting to the point in our sort of tenure as an ownership team here, being able to reinvest in those kind of things. And um, we just part of the challenge too, right? Which is why vehicles like the chamber exist, right? You know, when people pay their dues to the chamber, sometimes you wonder, why am I doing that? Right. Well, you're doing that so that we can then go out and do the things that you can't do while you're growing your business, right? right? You know, if you're selling coffee, you want to be selling coffee, not worrying about the challenges around equity or violence yeah. or growing the city, right? right? That's for us to do. And uh, our members' investments make that possible. What do you say to the people who might argue that there's so many people trying to do the same thing for the city, right? And there's multiple organizations and initiatives. How do you explain that? I do think there are a lot of people doing some of the same things, right? And we're not competing with each other. We're not stepping on each other's toes. And in some cases, organizations can be adversarial to each other. We don't have that culture in Peoria right now. I have a great relationship with all of my peer organizations. And I think Peoria is fortunate to have that. Right. I know it can sometimes feel like, again, me being too candid, like you're double dipping, right? Like people are investing in this five organizations that all do the same thing. And maybe that the challenge is we need to communicate better what mm-hmm. we do differently. Yeah. But sometimes it's necessary for us all to be working on something together. Sure, sure. Right. Chris Setti's job at the GPEDC is economic development. But as a business advocacy organization, we're also in the economic development space just differently. Right. We're advocating for our members. He's advocating for five counties. So different. Different uh, purpose, different mission, but all but we should all towards. be on the same yeah. road. Yeah. And I think we're getting there. You talk about. Peoria's history and how that's going to, of course, be part of the aspirational brand that we're trying to create. One of the things I wanted to dig into was this idea of innovation and entrepreneurial spirit in Peoria. I know we, yeah. Samantha, are located in the heart of the sort of newly named innovation district. So talk to me a little bit about your philosophy as it relates to entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, in a, particularly in a place like Peoria, is our best resource to grow this economy. It's like sales, right? It's easier to retain a customer than it is to, it's more cost effective too to retain a customer than it is to go out and sell one. Right. You got to buy them dinner. You got to pitch. You got to fly to show them, you know, you got to spend the the man hours to put the presentation together or the person hours to put the presentation together. I look at entrepreneurship the same way, right? Mm -hmm. It's a way that we create economic opportunity in our city with our own, right? Mm -hmm. Tilling the the soil that we already have. Mm -hmm. But entrepreneurship by itself lends itself to a lot of the same inequities that I'm passionate about right, by now. Right. So we have to create an ecosystem that sort of controls for those inequities. And I think that's the next step for Peoria. Yeah. Well, I love that. As a creative agency ourselves, the idea of sort of letting people know that they need something before they even need it has always been part of our conversation. <laughs> I love that. You know, yeah. so I just see a lot of these startups in town that are trying to do similar things. So Yeah. Good. So I'm a black man, right? So in the black community, entrepreneurship, it's not a sort of culturally weaved in to in terms of like startup mentality, mm-hmm. right? 
we are, I think the largest revenue source for the black community is hair care, right? So that's just out of necessity, entrepreneurship through necessity, yeah, right? You, exactly. you know, but the sort of eco, startup ecosystem that where people can start with an idea and end with a uh, multi-million dollar exit, black people have largely been left out. And that's just due to systemic barriers to getting sure. in. So when I go to pitch competitions, so Google is, they have entrepreneurship hubs, Durham's one of them. And they did do this thing called the Google Black Founders Exchange. And what it is, is black startup founders from across the country convene on Durham and they get the chance to get training for a week and then pitch their idea to so be cool. funded. Yeah. And I get emotional just thinking about it, but I get really emotional at the pitch because these are just dreams that somebody had that someone grabbed their hand and said, hey, let me show you how to make that. And I've seen people get $250,000 investments, so right? Cool. And yeah. and it's amazing because someone stands up and says, I'll give you $50,000. i will give you $25,000. Yeah. And their life just changed, right? Well, bring that to Peoria, Joshua. What are you doing? Well, so, we, 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 so Peoria's <laughs> tried that before. Okay. Well, before I got here, what I think we found is the funnel's not full enough at the top because there's no ecosystem to encourage that. So we're building that ecosystem. I, some of the organizations I named, I think are going to do a great job. And what I'd like to contribute to that is just the focus around the equity piece. Yeah. Because there's no shortage of uh, opportunities on the other side of that funnel. We just got to get more people into entrepreneurship. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Well, I have so enjoyed sitting talking to you for the last little bit here. I, um, Are you tired of me yet? No, I just appreciated your <laughs> leadership style. I mean, I could sit and listen to you for a long time, but oh, I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, in our last meeting, you shared a little bit about how your leadership style has changed and evolved yeah. as you've come to Peoria. But what are some of your lessons learned or nuggets of advice? Because that's part of our show, too, is we don't just want marketing insights. We want to know, like, how do we become better leaders and drive the change we want to see? I've learned to be a better listener. I've learned to be humble, right? And to take feedback from people at every level of my organization or people that I'm leading from the first day on the job person to the mm -hmm. VP or number two on the chain. I've learned a lot about that here in Peoria. But what I like to also do is lead through empowerment, empower my team and the people who I'm leading to be leaders themselves. Sometimes I think that can come across as me being indecisive, right? So oftentimes someone will say, hey, what should we do about this? And I'll respond with, what do you think we should do? But what I hope that contributes to is empowering them to make their own decisions and sure. know that I trust them. My first day at the chamber, I think that's what I talk to them about is I lead through trust as well. Like I need you to trust me, but know that I'm also going to trust you to deliver on your outcomes. And if I can trust you to do that, then I don't have to follow up and check on you as yeah, much, right? I love that. 
I was so, just talking to Maggie, my business partner yesterday. I think we tell employees a lot of time what our expectations are of them, but we don't tell them what to expect from us. Yeah. And so it's awesome that you outline that from the start yeah. with your team. I learned it, right? And I start to think about, as you, you mentioned, sort of transitioning into this life that I'm in now away from the creative space, which I still am a creative, but I can tell doing this thing you'll now. always be a creative at heart. <laughs> doing this thing now, right? is I try to think about the people I liked working with, right? Mm. The people I liked working for. So I try to lead that way as well. Think about the managers or people I've worked for or reported to that I liked. What did sure. I like about them? Well, sure. I liked that they trusted me. I liked right. that they felt I was worthy of their trust, right? I don't have to be there at eight if they know I'm going to get the job done from nine to four instead of eight to five. Right. Whatever yes. that thing is that you're tasked with doing, I think people respond well to trust. If they prove themselves not trustworthy, right? Then you, just, then you have another then you can't conversation. Work with them, right? Have, right? I, I, I choose yeah. not to work with people I can't trust right. and hope my staff feels the same way about me. Yeah. What questions are sort of top of mind for you right now as you think about this next phase of your leadership? We t- always try to pass them on. Um, <laughs> and I'd love for, to know like what you, want you me need to, some feedback on. You want me to say that from a Peoria context or me? Both. Okay. So me first, I would like to, the question I have about myself is, can I be as effective as I am with ideas and energy as I am with results? I think about that all the time. I've got, I'm really good with ideas. I'm pretty good with strategy as well. And we've, I've achieved some results, but the things that I'm tackling now, I think are bigger. Obviously I have faith in myself and, you know, hope that I can do it. But some of the things we talked about today around like Peoria, for instance, right? Me wanting to be a part of helping convert Peoria from these negative headlines to these positive ones, big lift, right? And so my question is, and one of the reasons why I was drawn to this job was that challenge, right? Right. So can I achieve those massive results through my approach to work? That's like a, is Joshua Gunn, am I as good at this as I hope to be? You know what? I think that's such amazing self-awareness. Like from the very first day we had coffee, like I literally left that coffee being like, this guy's got big ideas. Like he can sell things, right? Can he do things, right? And that's what all of us are struggling with as leaders. That's right. And that's the nature of sort of this macro level work that we talk about too, Right. right? Because if it were just as simple, and I don't mean to oversimplify anybody's occupation, but if it were just as simple as making something, right? Taking wood and turning it to a chair, right? Right. Then I would know very quickly, is that chair comfortable? (laughs) (laughs) But we're talking about people and systems that all interact with one another. And I'm not delusional about the complexity of that. Yeah. But I am still optimistic and hopeful Mm -hmm. that we can make something happen. Well, that's a marketer's challenge. We're not selling widgets here, right? Like these are ideas and they're complex and they're malleable. So you have challenges, too. And in your case, I think in sort of decommoditizing some of the things that I imagine you're helping people market. right? Absolutely. Like there's probably a million of them on the market. Right. And if I were selling like corn or soybeans. Sure. Right. How do I decommoditize that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all come down to brand. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. (laughs) Strong believer in brand. I love what you guys are doing. I think brand is a big part of what we're going to do here in Peoria. I do too. Reinvent the brand. Question that I have for Peoria though. What is it? This has been on my mind a lot. So someone described to Peoria has been a managed decline. Hmm meaning that Peoria as a community has just decided that the game is over, but we don't want the ship to sink all at once. We're just sort of riding it out. And so the question I have is, A, does Peoria really want to reinvent itself? 
two, does Peoria have the appetite to do what it takes to do that? I mean, there's just so many parallels to my business, you know, like as a business owner, you can run a lifestyle business and you can be very happy with that. Or you can choose intentionally to not just endure, but to grow. And it's your responsibility to do so for your people and for, you know, the legacy that you want to leave. Yeah. I'll make a joke to end on on a funnier note. (laughs) So that is a lot like your own personal show yourself, right? Sure. So I gained 20 pounds during the pandemic, Misty, by the way. And I, 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 did too. I, I, I work out and I go through these sort of fits and starts from right. working out. Right. And sometimes like you just get tired of it. Right. And there's <laughs> some me and someone else at town were laughing. They went to the gym. They worked out really hard and they were really sore. And he said, the next morning I woke up and just decided I'm just going to be chubby. I'm just going to be, <laughs> you know what? I'm going I'm to, he, he said, I work on my personality. I'll be charming because right. this is too much work. <laughs> right. Right. But growth is really hard. It's right. So hard. And you can just say, well, you know what? I used to be slim. You know, I'm going to stick with my 44 regular suits instead of my 40 now. Right? right. Or you can say to yourself, it's worth it for me. Right. But it's also worth it for the future. Absolutely. Right? And you know, I have children, so I want to be healthy for them. Yeah. Peoria has children. Yeah. Like, let's be a healthy Peoria yeah. for them. I love it. Well, thank you again for joining me. I have thank so you. enjoyed getting to know you That's and so I cannot fun. wait to share this episode. Can't wait to hear it. Thank you. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Hopefully you could tell how fun this interview was for me. Joshua has great perspective on what he's trying to do for our city. And I always take lessons from other marketers on what I can be doing better as well. One of my favorite points from Joshua were actually some of his last statements about growth. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking a lot lately about how painful growth can be. The older I get, the less I want to lean into it. But it's critical, not just for a city like Peoria, but for each of us as marketers and leaders. I hope you'll spend some time thinking about what that looks like for you today and share this episode with others if you learned some things about Peoria, the Chamber, or our city's efforts to be a place businesses can grow and thrive. If you want to know more about Joshua, we'll post a link to the Chamber on our website, marketingsweats.com, and we encourage you to listen to all seasons and episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review and we'll talk soon, marketers.